0: Oh, man. How about that Grinch, y'all? <laughs> Good morning, Relentless. My name is Raph, associate pastor here. For those that haven't had the pleasure of meeting, and we are uh, easing on into the Christmas season uh, as, a, as a church. Anyway, some of y'all jumped in head first, like before Thanksgiving. I like to ease on into Christmas, uh, but the, the Grinch is... Uh, is One of my favorite Christmas movies, the Jim Carrey version, of course. I love it. I sat down and watched it with my kids this week. I don't feel like they had a proper appreciation for it. They They didn't quite love it as much as I did, but, hey, it's okay. Maybe it's just a thing, you know, for Jim Carrey or... Anyway... Um, I, I just uh, for the next few weeks uh, we're in this series called called Grinched. Okay, it's based off of, or I should say, inspired by um, the Grinch. We're looking to the Grinch for some for some inspiration these next few weeks. Um, so each week we'll we'll have a message. Um, Based in scripture, rest assured, is from the Bible, but uh, but also loosely, some weeks looser than others. Okay, loosely related to the, the the Grinch, the story of the Grinch. Okay, before we jump into the Grinch, though, um, or the message today. Uh, Uh, I do have an announcement. We have a Christmas Eve service. Actually, we're doing two Christmas Eve services, okay? On Saturday, um, December 24th, Christmas Eve, we got a 3.30 and a five o'clock service, okay? Now, this is something that uh, we don't do every year. If you're new with us, uh, I want you to know, we typically um, take the last year, the last Sunday of the year off as a church. Like, we don't hold services, and that is uh, in order to give our staff and give our volunteers, and just for us as a church to collectively like take a breath and get some rest and come into the new year and hitting the ground running. And so we do that every year. Um, but this year, because of the way the calendar fell, uh, and we will do that uh, again, because of the way the calendar fell, uh, Saturday being Christmas Eve on the 24th, it just felt right. So we're excited. We're going to have two services. It's going to be a family style service. So uh, what that means is we're inviting our, our, our elementary and preschool age kids to be in the room with us. Uh, we're inviting you all to, to reach out to your family and friends and, and invite them as well. The nursery will be open um, uh, now it would be it would be bad if you invited your family and friends and they brought their babies and there was no one there to watch them. So we do need some volunteers, especially on that day. But but uh, um, you know we want to grow our team and RC Kids anyway. So if you've got a heart for for babies or want to love on babies and you're interested in that, please see myself or see Takesha, our children's director, and we uh we'll we'll, we'll sign you up. But we want to make sure we have enough coverage, especially for Christmas Eve. Um, so um, yeah, we're we're excited about that. the way it'll work is again. Christmas Eve, the 24th, that, that we'll be off Christmas Day that Sunday. We'll be off the following uh, Sunday, which is New Year's Day, and then we'll be back January 8th, and we'll, we'll kind of get all this information in your hands, but just so you can start planning and marking your calendar, Christmas Eve is going to be a big night, so we hope to see you at one of those, one of those services, all right? So Christmas uh, series, calling it Grinched. Uh, based off of the classic Christmas story, the, the the Grinch, how the Grinch stole Christmas. I don't know if you uh, have a, um, an affinity for the original Dr. Seuss book, or maybe the, 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 the old school cartoon animated version that came out, the new one that came out in 2018, or you're like me, you like the Jim Carrey version. Okay, that's my favorite. One of the reasons I like the Jim Carrey version so much is because um, I feel like it's the most accurate. It's like the most authentic. When you think about like, even in the beginning, when you see the who's and they're, they're all wrapped up in, in the hustle and bustle of Christmas, right? We first meet them, they're like walking around and shopping and, and, and trying to outdo each other with the gifts and who can decorate their house with the most lights and, and who has, it, it becomes like this, um, you know, uh, uh, it comes about com- com- consumerism and comparing and competing and there's all of a sudden there's stress and there's anxiety and there's tension and, and there's conflict and, 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 and it's all because of what? They lost the, the sight. They lost of the real meaning of Christmas, right? Which, and the story in the movie is is about what? It's about love, it's about family, it's about relationships, right? Makes sense, and that resonates with me. I think it resonates with us as a culture because it's such a familiar story, isn't it? Especially as Americans, right? Living in one of the richest, most developed countries in the world where capitalism rules the day, it's so easy to lose the the real meaning of Christmas, okay? And that's one thing, right? But as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we should know better than anybody else, right, what the, what the true meaning of Christmas is, right? As people of Jesus who, who have his spirit in us, you think we would have a better handle on how to navigate the Christmas season while keeping Jesus at the center of, of our lives. And yet, every year, December rolls around, and for far too many of us, okay, I mean, pe- church people, right, Christians, believers, for far too many of us, our lives look no different than anybody else's, right? We're, we're preoccupied with presents, where we're consumed with consumerism, where we're, where we're stressed out and, 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 and freaking out, and, 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 and all of a sudden Christmas rolls around and we're, we're defeated by despair. And this is where I think the Grinch connection comes in, because like the Grinch who stole Christmas, Scripture tells us that we have an enemy named Satan who is also a thief. In fact, this is how uh, Jesus described him in John chapter 10, verse 10, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So Jesus says, I came to give you life, right? Life to the full. There's another translation says abundant life, abundant life. He's talking about true life, real life, abundant life, a full life. But then he says, man, I also want you to know, heads up, there's an enemy. There's There's a thief, okay? He wants to steal that life from you. He wants to steal that life from you. Okay, the Grinch is a thief, right? He's the, the, the Grinch who stole Christmas. He's miserable, and he, he's decided he's going to ruin Christmas for all the Who's down in Whoville. Why? Because in his mind, he's thinking, if I'm miserable, I want everyone else to be miserable too. If I can't, if I can't have, have uh, joy this Christmas, if I can't have fun, if I can't enjoy the season, I don't want anyone else to enjoy it either. I don't want anyone else to experience that either, right? So I'm going to take it from them. I was thinking the devil's just like that, isn't he? The devil's just like that. He's thinking, man, if I can't have this thing that only God can give, then I don't want anyone else to have it, right? If I can't have this this relationship with God, if I can't have this abundant life that Jesus is promising, then I don't want them to experience it either. He wants to take it from you. Jesus says, be warned. Be warned. There is a thief, and he's going to come after you, and he wants to steal from you. And ultimately, what he wants is to destroy your life. And so here's what what I, I think we need to understand today, church. Number one, God is a giver. God is a giver. That's just, that's who He is in His nature, okay? God is a giver. As, as creator, as the author of life, man, he, He's such a generous God. He's a giver. He came to give. He gave us life. He gives us freedom and peace and love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. And we can go on and on and on of all the things that God gives us. God is a giver in His nature. He loves to give, okay? And, 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 and that love and that generosity, from God culminated in him giving us the ultimate gift, his son, Jesus Christ, whom he sent into this world to to save us. And then Jesus himself turns around and says, hey, I came to give you life. I came that you may have life, abundant life, life to the full. He's talking about real life. God is a giver. God is a giver, that's number one. Number two, the devil's a taker. The devil is a taker. Again, Jesus says he's a thief. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay, in other words, I came to give life, he came to snuff it out. God is a giver and the devil's a taker. And that seems pretty straightforward, doesn't it? Like that makes sense to me even as I say it out loud. But it can also be confusing sometimes, practically speaking, right? When we, when we just get out there in the world and start living our lives, sometimes it doesn't feel like God is a giver. And sometimes I probably wouldn't say, oh, the, the, the devil's taken from me. But, but sometimes it seems like he's perfectly content to let me just have whatever I want. Right, I'll I'll put it in terms of parenting. Think about my kids. Right, each one of them comes home on Halloween. Uh, Halloween night with a pound, like I had to fill like a one pound plastic uh, a Ziploc bag for all the candy that they brought home. And if I left it up to them, like they, they, they would sit there and eat all that candy in one sitting, right? Until they turn blue in the face and throw up all over the place. And they don't understand why I dole it out like one and two pieces at a time, right? And they look at me like I'm crazy, like, I, like I'm, 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 I'm the bad guy, right? Or, or, or screen time, right? They got a a couple of tablets that they kind of share between them, and and I give them a a certain amount of time. You got a certain amount of time where you can be on your tablet and play your games, and that's it. And I set a timer, and when it's over, I take it away. Why? Because I don't want you to rot your brain, and I don't want you to be addicted to uh, this thing. And and, and when I introduce you to someone, you can't even look up and say hi to them because you're so used to like having your... There's a lot of reasons, but because it's good for you, I need to take that away from you, right? And and, and I dole it out as as you need it. The same thing with bedtime and rules. and, and, And why? Because we want to keep you safe, right? We want, we want you to be healthy. We want you to thrive, like all these things. But to my kids, in the moment, it seems like I'm a taker. Seems like they feel like I'm here to steal their fun. I'm here to take their freedom, right? I'm, I'm holding them back from whatever it is they, they, they want to do. The reality is I want to give them life. I want to give them life. I want, to, I want to protect them. I want to teach them. I want to prepare them and keep them safe and set them up to thrive in this world. It's the same with God. Sometimes we feel like God is taking from us. Maybe sometimes he is, but it's always in an effort to give you something else, something better, something greater, something that you could never get on your own. God is a giver. God is a giver and the enemy is a taker. And again, that makes sense to us right here sitting in this context in church on Sunday morning. That makes perfect sense. But the reality is it gets a whole lot more confusing when we get back out there in the world as followers of Jesus, trying to be who God has called us to be and live how he's called us to live when we're dealing with, with stress at work or at school or, or the mountain of responsibilities that we have at home or, or just the hardness of, of, of marriage, Let's be real, right? Raising kids, caring for a loved one who, who, who uh, can't, can no longer care for themselves, the difficulty of just navigating personal relationships right now in 2022 with social media and, 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 and culture and everything else that's going on. It's just hard to even like be in relationship with people. We got financial struggles and, 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 and so on and so on, right? There's such a long list of things that, 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 that are uh, fighting for our attention and grabbing hold of our hearts and stressing us out and weighing us down. And sometimes the stress and in the busyness of life or just in the sheer hardness of it all, it's easy to forget that there's a spiritual battle going on, right? That scripture tells us our, our battle is not against flesh and blood but against the, in the spiritual realms against the forces of evil, right? And so sometimes we forget we have an enemy who is not only very real, but he's also very smart and strategic. And because of the de- deceitfulness of sin, and the craftiness of the enemy, we lose our ability to distinguish between the truth of God's word and the lies of the enemy, between our own sinful desires and the desires of God's heart. And that's when Satan swoops in and sometimes does his best work. I think of an example of this or of him trying to do this in Matthew chapter four um, where Jesus, this is just after Jesus is baptized and, uh, and, and the spirit leads him into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy. And so Jesus goes on a 40-day fast, no food or water, man. He's weak, he's tired, he's trying to cling to the Lord. Enemy comes around and says, hey, why don't you turn those stones into bread, man? You can do it, right? Why are you, why are you making yourself suffer? And, and he, Jesus has the wherewithal to cling to God's word and says, no, man, shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the Father's mouth, right? He beats back temptation with the word of God. Comes back around again, the enemy's like, hey, man, why don't take him up to a cliff? Why don't you jump off? Surely God will send his angels. They'll come protect you and save you. And you're his son, right? Of course you do that. Why don't we put him to the test? He says, no, 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 right? The word says, I sh- you shall not put your Lord, your God to the, to the test, right? He beats it back again with God's word. The third time, enemy takes him up to the highest mountaintop, looks out on the world and says, see all of that? It's what you came here for, right? That's the world that you want, that you're willing to die for. I'll give it to you right now. It can be yours. All you got to do is bow down and worship me. And, and, and of course, again, Jesus is in a weakened state, right? I can, if it's me, I'm like, oh, it's looking pretty. Jesus is like, no, you know what? Thou shalt not worship, worship, whatever he says, worship the God. I don't have it in front of me, but he says, you worship God alone, right? I ain't worshiping nobody else, right? And, and so again, he clings to the, to the word of God, right? But, but I, I tell you that, that story, remind you of it to, to say this, we need to understand that there's a sense in which the devil is also a giver. Right? He's a taker, but, but he's also a giver. But we need to understand, he only wants to give you things that will ultimately take from you. Yeah. He, he, he only wants to give you things that will eventually lead you and draw you away from the real life that Jesus came to give you. And the truth is, he, he doesn't really even have the power or the authority to take those things from you. The devil can't take what only God can give. But what he can do is convince you to put it down. Or give it away or trade it in for something else. And his favorite way to do that is by distracting us from the things of God, by indulging us with the things of this world. Again, Jesus said, I came that they may have life, life, full life, abundant life. And and, and this phrase, unfortunately, uh, has been misquoted often by and to Christians as a promise of material things, But in context, we see it has nothing to do with material prosperity at all, but instead it relates to knowing Jesus personally and the spiritual blessings that he brings. That's the kind of life Jesus is talking about. And and this is something that has confused people all throughout Christianity, but especially in the 20th and the 21st century American church, okay, there's this this, this false idea that all God wants for me is to be successful, that all God wants for me by the worldly standards, right? God just, he wants to bless me. He wants to give me money and status and power and security and, and, and all these possessions and all these things, right? But the truth is, that's, that's what I want. That's what we want, right? Those are the desires of our own hearts and we project them onto God. And we think, man, glory to God. God made me rich. God gave me this. He put me in this position. He wants me to succeed. God God wants this for me. Listen, I'm not saying there's, please don't hear me say, there's nothing wrong with success. There's nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong with, with living a good life and, 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 and having things, okay? But what I am saying is, That is not the life that Jesus was talking about. That's not what he meant when he said, I came to give you life. That's not the promise that God makes us. That's all about a relationship with him and and, and him being with us no matter what, right? right? This is not what God promised us at all. It's not the abundant life that Jesus said he came to give. Abundant life is not about having so much more in this life. Abundant life isn't an especially long life. An abundant life is not an easy or a comfortable life. Abundant life is about a living relationship with the author of life himself. It's about actually knowing and possessing true life. It's a life of satisfaction and contentment in Jesus Christ and in him alone. And once you have this life, no one can ever take it from you. Nonetheless, the devil is a taker. He is a thief. And if he can't take your life in Jesus Christ, then what can he steal? What can he take from you? What is Jesus warning us about? What is is it that the thief wants to take from us? This Christmas season, I think he wants to steal something that only God can give you, your joy, your joy. Now, I guess if we're going to continue down this road, we got to define joy, right? Because the world might define it differently or might mean different things to different people. So, so joy, this isn't my definition. Um, it's from John Piper, but I think it's, I think it's good. So we're going to go with it, okay? Christian joy, kind of joy we're talking about from scripture, is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul, produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ, the beauty of Jesus in the Word and in the world, okay? So let's break that down a little bit. Joy is a, is a good feeling. It's a good feeling. By that, I mean it's not an idea, okay? It's not, it's not a conviction. It's not a persuasion or a decision. It is a feeling or an emotion, Okay, The difference between an idea and an emotion or a, or a feeling is that you don't have immediate control over your feelings and emotions, do you? I can't just snap my fingers and stop feeling something or start feeling something. Believe me, I tried. I wish I could. It doesn't work like that. Okay, Feelings don't work like that. Emotions don't work like that. Our mind works like that. Thinking works like that, but not feelings. Okay, So the first part of this definition is that joy is a good feeling. It's a good feeling. From where? Okay, It's a good feeling in the soul. It's a good feeling in the soul. And by that, what, what I'm doing is drawing attention to the fact that it's not in the body. It's in the soul, okay? The immaterial part of my personhood that experiences joy. It's, it's, it's in my soul. The body may feel the effects of that joy. I may get butterflies in my stomach. I, I, I may get a, get a hop in my step. I may get uh, tears of joy dripping down my face, okay? But those things in and of themselves are not joy, okay? They're, they're the product of, of joy okay? They're, they're distinct from joy. So the body doesn't have a right or a wrong, right? If I move my arm back and forth, there is no moral significance to that, right? Until I tell it by my will or, or, or by my emotion to punch somebody, right? Then that would be bad, right? Or, or to embrace someone in need, then it would be good, okay? So, so uh, the, um, my soul imparts virtue, right or wrong, Okay, comes from the soul to the physical parts of my body. But the emotions, the feelings are movements of the soul. Joy is an emotion in the soul, a good feeling in the soul. Okay, where does it come from? Produced by the spirit. Produced by the spirit. Joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit, which is clear because I can't make these things happen on my own, right? Even if I wanted to, I can't, I can't do it on my own. It comes, it comes from God. Okay. In fact, scripture, Galatians chapter five, verse 22 and 23, the apostle Paul says, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right? So, so it comes from the spirit. It's produced by, it's a result of the Holy Spirit in me. The joy in my soul overflowing towards God is coming from the work of the Holy Spirit. It's God producing it in me and working it out through me. I can't do it on my own. Now, The next part, joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ. As we see Jesus, as we see Jesus in the world, as we see Jesus in our lives, as we remember Jesus, as our eyes look to Jesus, okay? The Holy Spirit does this work, not not magically without my mind being involved or my heart being engaged, but by causing me to be able to see Jesus, the glory and the beauty of Jesus Christ right? The the, the spirit opens up my eyes. It gives us eyes to see Jesus, the beauty of Jesus. And that then causes joy to stir up in our hearts. Philippians 3.1, rejoice in the Lord, Paul says. Rejoice in the Lord always. How do you rejoice in the Lord if you don't know nothing about the Lord? How do you rejoice in the Lord if you are not seeing things about the Lord that cause joy to, to rise up in your heart, right? That's the work of the Holy Spirit, now, he doesn't just flip a switch and, and, and all of a sudden we're like robots and we rejoice. That's not how it works. He does it by opening our eyes, opening the eyes of our hearts to see Jesus, to see the beauty of Jesus, to see his love, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, his peace, his power. We see Jesus and all that he's done. We, see, we look back and we see Jesus in our lives and how he showed up for us. I remember who I was. And, and, and praise him for the fact that I'm not that man today. I see Jesus, and I remember, and that produces joy in my heart. I, I, I see him in the cross and what he did for me and the freedom that that bought me. I remember that, that this life is temporary, and I remember where our go, where I'm going. We're a forever focused church, and I have eternity promised with God the Father where there is no more, where there's nothing but joy. That's a promise I can hold on to. I see Jesus, and I remember that, and it stirs joy up in my heart. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Produces joy by causing us to see the beauty of Jesus. Where? In the Word and in the world. So, that, that last piece, we see Him in His Word first. Okay, the clearest and most powerful place where we see the beauty of Jesus Christ is in His Word. It's in the Word of God, it's in the Bible. That's why the Holy Spirit inspired the Word of God, so that we could read the Word and know Jesus Christ so that we can know him and grab hold of him. The Spirit gives us eyes to see the beauty of Jesus that stirs joy up and calls it out of our hearts. We see it in his word, but it's not just in the word that we see Jesus. We also see it, we see him in creation. We see him in, in his gifts. We see him in his people, okay? We, we see him in the gifts of nature. We, we, we see him uh, in the gifts of, of, of food, and, and, and all the good things that we want to celebrate this Christmas season, the family, the friends, the love, the get-together, the food, all that good stuff, every good gift that, that, that the Father gives us, okay, every good gift of Jesus is, is uh, intended to communicate something of himself, to remind us of him, to point us to him, so that we would see him and acknowledge him and give him the glory for that. And so we see Jesus and we experience Jesus, not only in his word, but also in his works. Joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Jesus in the word and in his work. Excuse me. So now that we define joy, uh, I'll be real with y'all, man. I struggle with this message this week because I am in a season of life where my biggest—I'm struggling to find joy in a lot of in in a lot of ways, in a lot of different places, and uh, and and so so I said I struggled with this message because it's hard for me to come up here and preach y'all about joy if I'm not walking in joy and living in joy and experiencing joy, right? I, I'm I'm gonna preach it for y'all, and then I'm not living it, and so so it's just it's, it's been a wrestling match with God of like, hey, but it's been so good for my soul and my heart to to uh to. To receive this from God and remind myself, and, and and for Him to gently, kind of lovingly correct me and draw me back to Him, and 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 as He's done that, I haven't figured it out. I'm I'm trying to work it out, but I want to. I, 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 what I'm sharing with you all is is what I feel like He's shared with me, and 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 uh, I have I'm full of confidence that that um that in His presence there is fullness of joy. So That's a verse that I keep coming back to. It's from Psalms uh, chapter 16, verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is uh, King David who, who uh, man, I, I love the Psalms um, largely because of, thank you, my brother. I appreciate you. <laughs> I, uh, I sweat a lot, y'all. <laughs> um, so... David, man, I love, I love him because his relationship with God is so real, and it's right there in the pages of God's word for us to see. And, and I mean, this is Psalm 16, this very one. There's, I think that's the last verse, 11. If we were to read the whole thing, you'll see in the beginning, he's like, God, you're my refuge, right? He's in trouble. He needs God to protect him, right? God, help me. God, shield me. And, and then he starts working out like, hey, God, I know you're good. I remember you're good. And, and, and you've been for me in this, and you've been for me in that, and you showed up here. And then we get down. I think the verse before this, um, I don't have it up there, but I'm, I'm I just God's bringing it to my mind now. He, he says, you will not leave my soul in, 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 in shield, right? You won't leave me. In other words, I, when, I, when my body dies, I'm not dead. Right? He's talking about resurrection life. This is before Jesus. He's saying, I know I'm going to spend eternity with you, God, and so I have joy there. Okay? But, but then he goes on, you make known to me the path of life. The path of life now, here on this earth, you make known to me, and I know that it's right by your side, and I know that you've got me, and in your presence there is fullness of joy, and even if I'm not experiencing it in my circumstance right now, I have a promise that I'm going to experience it forever, and no one can take that from me. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore, right? He's, this is a precursor to Jesus. He knows what's going to happen. God's revealed it to him, and he's sharing it. That's why Peter, when he, when he preached in Acts chapter 2 within the Pentecost, he references this verse. He's like, this is what David was talking about, y'all. We have resurrection power in Jesus Christ, and this life isn't it, okay? There is fullness of joy, and we can step in and experience by God's grace some of that joy here and now, and we will, right? I love what Chauncey said earlier about the, 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 the different songs and the breakthrough, sometimes you're in a storm, sometimes you're coming into a storm, sometimes you're coming out of a storm. There's a different song for each of those seasons that we could call out that remind us of God and we go back to him, right? But in his presence, it remains the same. If I'm in a storm, if if I'm coming into a storm, if I'm right in the middle, if I'm coming on, out of it. The answer is the presence of God. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. You make known to me the path of life, David says. Jesus said, I came that you may have life. Man, if you really want to live, if you want to know life, true life, full, abundant life, like David knew it, it's only found in a relationship with Jesus. That's the only place. Only in the presence of God, only in a relationship with Jesus, can you have fullness of joy. That's, that's where it exists. Joy that supersedes any circumstance. Joy that surpasses anything the world has to offer. Joy that can never be taken away. Sustaining joy, transcendent joy, joy that doesn't make sense to the world only exists in the presence of Jesus Christ. And again, the enemy can't just steal your joy outright, but he's really good at getting us to give it away. And if you're not careful this Christmas, in a moment of weakness, the thief will attack and he'll try and convince you to trade in your everlasting joy for something temporary. I don't know what that looks like for you exactly, specifically. I bet you do. I know God does, right? And I know the enemy does. He, 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 I know he wants to take your eyes off of Jesus. I know he wants to distract you from the fact that there is joy available to you right now, in this moment, in this season. The joy of the Lord is available, but it can only be found in the presence, in his presence. It can only be found in a relationship, with Jesus Christ. The thief doesn't want you to know that. The enemy doesn't want you to see that. He wants you to think you'll find it in the things of this world. He wants you to believe you'll find it in material things. Man, if I could just get that one thing on my Christmas list, if I could just afford to buy that one thing for my kids or for my spouse or or for my parents, if I could just get him to notice me, if I could just get her to say yes, if I could just make enough to, 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 to get ahead, to get through this tough season, then I'll have joy, then I can be happy, then I'll finally be satisfied. But then you get there. You finally get whatever it is you were hoping for, wishing for, thought you wanted, only to find out it did not satisfy. It left you wanting. The enemy wants to distract you with lesser things, coping mechanisms, self-medicating with alcohol, drugs, adultery, porn, uh, sexual sin, escapism, Binge watching, whatever it is, right? That's, that's, I'll tell you, that's mine, right? He wants to, he wants me to believe, and, and too often I fall into that trap that uh, when the stress gets a certain level, I just need to re- remove myself, not just from. Jesus' presence but from I'm not even present in my home like I'm there physically but I'm not present and everybody finally asleep and now I can just zone out and watch whatever it is on Netflix and and and, and just go to a different place so that I can right I, I, that's that's my thing I'm confessing it to, to y'all right and I, and I'm telling you man he he wants me to believe that that that's gonna make me feel better or that ultimately that's just what I need to do to to to, to get through anything to to numb the pain or take your mind off the fact that there is a gaping hole in the middle of your heart that you will never be able to fill on your own, no matter what you do or how hard you try. But in his presence, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. A loving, living relationship with Jesus is the only thing that will ever truly bring you joy. It's the only thing that will ever really satisfy you in your soul. And so right now, I just I want to give everyone the the, the opportunity to acknowledge that, um, whatever that looks like for you, I I want you to choose joy, <laughs> not just this Christmas, but for the rest of your life, to 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 choose choose Jesus, to to seek His face. I don't know what that what that looks like for each and every one of you, but I can I can make you two I can make you two promises. Number one, God is a giver and he came to give you life. I promise you that. He is a generous God. He's a giver. He wants to give you life. I promise you that the devil's a taker and he wants to steal your joy. He wants to do anything he can to distract you, to lead you away from your relationship with Jesus, to cause distance between you and him. And so I'm just gonna invite y'all to stand up as I pray for you. Today, um, I want to pray a specific prayer. If you would, close your eyes and bow your heads. We take this position because um, Scripture says God, God sees what's on the inside. Man only sees what's on the outside. And so right now, we want to try and just kind of line up our minds and our hearts with, with God's mind and His heart and what, what, what He sees. But if you're here today and... and um, you're in a relationship with Jesus, right? If you're a Christian. You know Jesus. You, you, you've given, you, you put your trust in him. You've given your life to him, but you've taken your eyes off of him. Maybe you don't feel like you've been walking with him recently or as closely as, as maybe you should be. Maybe, maybe uh, you just, you've been distracted. You believe one of the devil's lies and it's led you astray. Or, or you've been distracted by the, the things of the world, or, or just anxiety and worry and stress of the season has gotten hold of you and it's caused distance between you and, and Jesus. Whatever the case may be, if you want to come back to him today, if you've got a relationship with Jesus, but it's, it's been better before and you want to get back there again right now, I just, I, just want you to, I just want you to lift your hand right now as I pray for you. My hand's up. I'm, I'm with you on that. And I just felt compelled that God wants us to acknowledge that, right? 2 Chronicles seven fourteen says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Jesus, thank you for that truth. Thank you for that promise, God. Thank you, Lord, for these brothers and sisters, God, for their courage to, to acknowledge before you right now their need, God, we need you. We need you, Lord. I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ, God. I pray for those that don't know you, Lord. I pray, God, for every person on the sound of my voice that doesn't have a relationship with you, Jesus, that that they would know that is where joy is found, true joy, God, sustaining joy, that that that, that is where life, real life is found, God. I pray you would draw them to you, Lord, and that you would help us to, to help them take their next steps. God, I pray you would fill us all, (laughs) fill our minds with the truth of your love, with your grace, with your forgiveness. God, restore us to the joy of your salvation, as David said in Psalm 51. God, restore me to the joy of your salvation, that that we would experience the fullness of joy this week, God, as we run, not walk, run back to your presence. God, there's fullness of joy in, in, in your presence, God, both here and now and in eternity to come. God, I pray that joy would just rise up in our hearts and that it would seep out into everyone and and everywhere we come into contact this week. God, thank you for your son, Jesus. We love you. We praise you. It's in his name. Amen. Y'all have a great week. See you next week.